Shame Naryam Ananto Adye Paratmani Twayapi Mai Maini Mayam Bita Yekshita Matno Hai Bavam Yahom Kianai Chumbi Varchiragno. So Brahma now begins to having glorified the form of Krishna and in simple terms and then explained it uh, in philosophical terms with the conclusion that it is uh, really corresponds uh, with the heart of his devotees. His form is the heart of his devotees. Very beautiful and profound idea which then causes him to begin to glorify devotion, both directly and indirectly, a way of speaking about it and about uh, what it's not and how by bhakti, uh, which is simple, this apparently simple, but quite extraordinary form of Krishna can be realized and how with anything short of the kind of bhakti that we find, for example, in this instance, in the friends of Krishna, that form will not be experienced, the one that Brahma is desiring to attain. And um, now, as I say, he begins to uh, express some uh, remorse, having glorified Krishna, having glorified Bhakti, some remorse for his own actions that um, might be construed as offensive if not uh, foolish, which is uncharacteristic of, of, a, of a devotee. Um, and so he says, Pashyame Nariyam Ananta Adde Paratmani Twai Api Mai Maini. He says, Just see, O Isha Ananta, Isha Ananta. Oh, God, Supreme Controller, who is unlimited in his expanse and, and power, which he's experienced now. So he's going to draw back to the Aishvarya, the majesty that he experienced, that's the background of the Madhuri, or the sweet form of Krishna that he's, that he's attracted to, that it gives support, as we've explained to it, like a black velvet on which a jewel or is placed and shines and is appreciated that much more. So the sweetness on the backdrop of his godhood and the realization that despite his ordinary, extraordinary majesty, he's willing to enter into an, a relationship of intimacy with every jiva that's blowing Brahma's mind, as it should, ours. I was communicating with a devotee today 
um, we had some issues with the idea that enlightenment constituted some type of divine uh, ignorance. And I explained to him that this is the full manifestation of samvit, the yoga maya. Samvit means the knowledge aspect of Krishna's internal energy. The full measure of that samvit is uh, is uh, uh, the yoga maya that if there is to be intimacy with the Godhead, then the majesty has to be forced to the background. And what it is that forces that majesty to the background is his own sarup shakti manifesting in the form of sakya, madhurya, and so forth. Um, so I guess that's a peculiar idea, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But if there is to be intimacy with the Godhead, then how can it be otherwise? He said, well, yeah, but in, in Vaikuntha, then Narayan has wives. They're intimate with him. He has close servants. And I said, Dasirasa does not afford intimacy, however close it may be. It doesn't afford the intimacy that is exhibited in in Goloka. Hmm. He was thinking that maybe there wasn't a Goloka, really, because hmm, he couldn't find... Uh, what he thought he thought he couldn't find a reference, even in our own book, main book, Srimad Bhagavatam, with the word Goloka. So I pointed out to him <laughs> that it was there. But I, I asked him. I said, "Let me ask you this: Is there Parakya, Bhava, in Vaikuntha?" He said, "As far as I know, in capital letters, no way." <laughs> so I said, "Then where does it come from?" manifests in the Krishna avatar on earth, it's a bhava. Mm-hmm. And if it's uh, and the bhavas are eternal. Mm-hmm. So it can't be a bhava that's manifest here that doesn't have a expression in the uppercut world. Mm-hmm. And so if it's not in Vaikuntha, there has to be another planet for it. <laughs> that's what we call Goloka. Right? So Brahma's standing on the the Golok, the Gokul, which is the center of Golok in the Parvyom here on earth as it manifests. Mm-hmm. And he says, Pashyame, O God, mm-hmm. who is unlimited, which he's experienced that this coward boy is, is unlimited, he's experienced that his body contains everything. Mm-hmm. Himself, all the worlds, all the Narayans. And it's... Uh, mind-boggling to him. We know that Vrindavan is a place of sweetness where majesty is subdued by the sweetness. At the same time, from this Leela we understand there is no realm in the spiritual world where a greater expression of majesty is to be found than in Goloka. And this Leela is the example. He saw, as we know, Narayans emanating from the pores of Krishna and worlds, subsequent worlds coming from, from, from their pores and so on and so forth. So, Pashyame, Paisha, just see, O oh, Supreme God, who's unlimited, Pashyame, Anaryam, he speaks about himself, but we'll get to that, Pashyame, Ananta, unlimited adye, 
Nanda Goswami feels there's a gradation here, and um, it doesn't say much more than that, but we can understand it's a gradation of, of intimacy in the names, the epithet that Brahma has invoked, epithets that he has invoked successively to speak to, about um, uh, Krishna. It begins with, again, Isha, God, who is Ananta, unlimited, as he's experienced. Adye, Adye means like beginning, in this case, uh, primeval, and so Sanatana Goswami interprets it as father. So from God, who's unlimited to father, who Krishna is the father and the mother, we'll get to that too in his later, later text of Brahma. Hmm? Um, so the names are going up on a scale of really, uh, let's say, intimacy. Adye Paramatmani, he says, you're my father. I mean, he was born on the lotus, coming from the navel of, uh, of, uh, of Vishnu, who's, of course, the expansion of Krishna. And he, he's, saying, he's starting to say these things now about himself in relation to Narayan and identify Krishna with Narayan, that Krishna's going to wonder, what are you talking about? I'm just a coward boy. I'm not Narayan. But he says, you're, my, you're the God, you're unlimited, you're my father, which is, Krishna's not saying anything, but Brahma's going to read his mind, what are you talking about? I'm your father. Um, <laughs> my guru, Paramatmani. Hmm? Um, Paramatmani, my guru, means who, at the dawn of creation, awakened the Vedic knowledge within my heart. Um, it wasn't that Krishna came before him externally, Narayan, and then and then showing the face of Krishna before him externally, but within. So an antar darshan, an inter meditative darshan. Brahma was meditating. He climbed down the stem of the lotus, looking in all directions to try to find his source, and he couldn't get to the end of the stem, and. Um, and he heard the sound tapa, right? So he went back up onto the lotus, very sad, and he meditated. He went, the tapa means here, he went inward. Tapa, these two syllables, it means austerity, so it means to restrict, if you will, the senses. That's an austerity, right? And and the mind, for the sake of going within, and in the meditative inner world, that moves by sacrifice and selflessness and ultimately love. There he had the vision of Antardarshan. And so, of course, Krishna speaks the four verses, of the essential verses of the Bhagavatam to him. But it's described, that incident that's described later on in the second canto, ninth chapter, is spoken of in the very first verse, Tene Brahma Rdayadi you may wonder, well, he spoke to Krishna. When did he enlighten him within his heart? It's the same event. In his heart, in meditation, Krishna appeared before him as if he was standing before him. Um, and he was <laughs> in the meditative uh, realm, which is a real place and hard, hard, hard to get to, right? You have to turn away from the external um, world, sense objects and so forth. And so... Paramatmani, he, he's my guru, you're my guru, you enlightened me 
at the dawn of creation within my heart with your instructions and you he says that's goes higher on the ladder krishna so you are isha who is ananta who is adye the original primeval my father paramatmani my guru hmm? we can love our father but we may love our guru we should love our guru more uh, and then you krishna's and it refers to krishna so right higher on the scale and it's higher still what could be higher than that hmm? he says mai maini hmm? that you 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 have you are the master of power of illusion so he he speaks to his power hmm? so highland krishna in sense is his own power his shakti i mean he's the powerful the shakti is the power in one sense, he's more powerful, but it has the power to overwhelm him, right? And that's what Krishna is. Krishna is the absolute, overwhelmed by his own power, hmm? his internal power. That's the illusion, again, of Yoga Maya that's uh, created by his power for the sake of affording him a rest from being God. She provides some sunglasses for him and a ticket, you know, to... to on a private vacation, on a private plane, he doesn't have to fly on, you know, economy. <laughs> he gets a private plane to his own island, Swetadweep, the white island, private island he has, and not just anybody can go look, can go there. Brahma Samhita says, "Tamaham golokamitiyam." It is a, it, it, that place known by a very few rare souls as Goloka, and everybody knows. That is the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to make, try to make that common knowledge. And even we find scriptural wizards rejecting it, if you will, from different sampradayas. We say, it's all right, you have your vision. You cannot see Goloka from Vaikuntha. It's not, it's not, in, the, it's not in, the, in, the, in view there. There's no view there beyond... You have the inner, you know, internal view, and then you have the distance views. So it's spacious internally, but it doesn't have a distance view beyond to the to what Puranas also refer to as Mahabhaikuntha. If there's a Vaikuntha, that's one thing. What about, what is the Mahabhaikuntha? So the Goswamis have identified such term Mahabhaikuntha too, with Goloka, another reference to to the abode of Krishna, place of the realm of cows, right? So. So, uh, superior even, in one sense, to Krishna is Krishna's own power that Brahma is, is, has seen now, and he's seen it, excuse me, in relation to his own, own extremely uh, limited power. Hmm? This, of course, then refers us back to the beginning, uh, kind of introduction to the Brahma Vimohan Leela, the Twelfth chapter in which Brahma becomes bewildered. Hmm? Um, there, of course, it's described that Krishna went on a picnic with his friends, and and in the course of the picnic, they came across a large, uh, well, greater than large, but an extraordinary um, python serpent with his mouth opened, 
creating, as you can imagine, for playful young young boys, a, a potential for uh, adventure. Hmm? Back referring to my childhood, as my mind takes me for the moment, we used to live, it's, when I was young, in a neighborhood, there were only five houses. It was very rural. Hmm? This was in the Midwest, rural area, suburbs. Uh, it's very must be 5,000 houses there now, but five houses. And so, so there's always some construction going on new house, and that would be a playground for us. A new house, what's going on with the boards, what do they got building here? You know, you'd climb around in there, they created, you know, provided a real adventure. Then we used to steal the boards and build tree houses. And then they found out we were stealing and my father had to pay them back. Uh, so, it's, it's, uh, boyhood is a little bit mischievous, as, as, you, as you know, girlhood too, I suppose. But more so, I think, for the, for the boys. But, um, uh, <laughs> so there they were. They saw the Agasura and fearless in the presence of Krishna, and which is very characteristic also of the Sakya Rati. Uh, it's real. You know, you see these T-shirts, no fear. You know, but you should be afraid for jumping from building to building and riding on huge waves and things that they do. But there is a place where you can actually be fearless. Um, and the Sakyaras is in, in some ways characterized by that because of the confidence. It's confidence, you could also translate it as fearlessness, confidence in the protection of Krishna. When Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his book, Songs of Sharanagati, Speaking about the different limbs of Sharanagati, one of which is Gopkritve Varanampat Anoa Rakshikshati Vishvashvo. Vishvas means uh, Vishwamba, hmm. same idea, faith. Rupa Goswami refers to it at the beginning of his um, explanation of Sadhana Bhakti when he says uh, Vishvambena Guru Seva. One should serve the Guru with, with Vishramba, with faith, with confidence. Hmm? So that the higher development of this idea is a confidence of, is a, is a, affords a kind of intimacy in Sakyarasa. When that confidence is distilled in, in the intimacy of Sakyarasa, it becomes pranai, it becomes prem, then, then sneha, raganurag, mahabhav, like this development of perfection, if you will. But Bhaktivinoda's song, at any rate, on a much lower level, but Sharanagati, which is pertinent to us, to be a Sharanagati, to be a surrendered soul, he says, one of the angas, as I say, of that Sharanagati, which is sixfold, is to accept Krishna as one's protector. So he has a beautiful song. What's the name of that song, Marge? Um, I can't recall now, but it's a beautiful song about this limb of Sharanagati, um, where confidence is the mood, Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the the limb is Krishna will protect me, and the, in the song he invokes the leelas of Krishna, Atma Samarpane, mm-hmm. right? With leelas of Krishna with his friends, and how they defeated this demon, and how he protected him in this instance, in that instance, and so on. It's a, it's another instance within the lyrical work of Bhakti Binod, where he 
as where he offers a prayer that that sakirati upasakas those pursuing sakirati could find some something useful to incorporate into their into their practice the singing of committing to memory of this the feeling of of such a song and the the culture of this anga of sharanagati both gokritve varanam tata thinking krishna is my maintainer and Rakshakshatadivishvashvo, thinking that Krishna is my protector, are sometimes both thought of as being the Swarup Lakshan or the primary characteristic of uh, Sharanagati, the others being marginal, supportive of that. So um, here they were, you know, they were Premikas, and certainly they're also Sharanagatas. It's not that you don't become a Sharanagata, you can give, throw that out when you become a Premika, but it's a building, right? I often say that Sharanagati is the stage, the dramatic stage on which the drama of Krishna Leela uh, takes place. So we need to build that stage in our heart, which we can say, coming to a theater near you uh, soon, that Leela of Krishna. If, that, if we're not working to build that stage of Sharanagati, which is the outer face of Shraddha, of our, of our faith, then we can't expect the drama to take place uh, in, until we do. So there's some work to be done, right? There's some perspiration to be expired before the tears will pour out like a fountain in uncontrollable uh, sattvika bhav. Hmm. Uh, so here they are, uh, Prem Bhaktas Asakya, Sakyavati, and they see the Agasura and they have no fear. Hmm? And they're curious to go into his mouth, and they're not foolish, so they figure out that, oh, it's a serpent, he probably wants to swallow us, but I can, But anyway, hmm? let's go inside, right? I mean, it doesn't make any sense in, in one sense. How can? But this is where these things happen, where you can suck on a pin with a straw and you can catch it with your teeth, right? You can you can do that there because Krishna is there to help you. I gave that example for those of you who are here. <laughs> these kind of things that seem um, crazy, for example, for young boys to think is possible, it becomes possible in the company of Krishna. They're protected. They have actually these boys all they have extraordinary powers themselves. They are after after all. Mai Maini, they are manifestations of the Shakti of Krishna. They are controlling him. Hmm? <laughs> and certainly they have the power to defeat uh, Aga, Swara. Aga means sin, a sinful person who doesn't even have the qualification to enter into the heavenly planets. How long, what kind of life duration does he have? Right? Not even a human birth, it would seem. We could call him a yogi, I suppose. But anyway, he doesn't even have the adhikar, the eligibility to enter into heaven where he can have a long life. And they're living in uh, in, in, the, in the nectar world of immortality, right? And that they're living in the Chaitanya Charit Amritam, the immortal character of, of, uh, of consciousness in Krishna Leela. So they have that power, but it, for the sake of Leela, Leela Shakti, arranges in such such a way as if they don't and, and Krishna can be the protector, of course, which he is in the context of the Leela. So they enter in and they think, what can he do? Krishna will protect us. Right? And so Krishna 
enters into the mouth of Agasura and he closes his mouth, which was his ambition. Hmm? Agasura is described as someone who previously um, was uh, a popular guy and uh, in the previous life and a uh, very handsome fellow, good-looking, and, and and this kind of uh, good looks is, what does Kunti Devi say? Janma Ishvarya Shuta Shribhir. So Janma, birth, wealth, Aishvarya, Janma Ishvarya Shuta, learning, and Shri, beauty, handsomeness, all these things, uh, have, these are all distractions. Right? These are not the real wealth. Hmm? The real wealth comes from taking shelter of you. So um, um, it can be, you know, Bhakti Vinodhakur in extreme bhava. So you got to get to bhava before you can express something like, that, like this. He said, I give a curse to good health because in good health I think I'm okay. Hmm? But I haven't got praying. That is my sickness. Hmm? And that is the cure-all. Hmm? So I say we have to go step by step to get there. It's an extreme statement, but it's true hmm? uh, from his from his vantage point. Hmm? So Krishna enters anyway. I mean, excuse me. So Agasura, he was a good-looking guy. And what he did was uh, he came across Astavakra, who was a famous sage, who Astav means eight, Bakr, he's his body was like crooked in eight places, hmm? and he's this Agus Aga. His name was in the previous life. He's not the only person who made fun in the Puranas of Astavakra and suffered the consequences of that. We're instructed by Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada in his um, um, Upadesha Amritam. That uh, one should not judge a sadhu hmm, by his or her uh, external uh, features. Uh, they may be crippled, they may be uh, like Gorkish or um, mad, hmm, kind of seeming like out of balance. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, external here from the self, of course, means even the ment- disposition, psychology biological features and so forth, um, but rather try to um, understand what drives them, hmm? what is their inner faith and experience. And he gives the example that Ganges is holy and there are, he said, there's foam and mud floating in the Ganges. Imagine how pure it was in those days. Uh, <laughs> but we don't uh, judge it by that, but by what the scriptures say about it, and so forth. So, so there's there, and if you have that vision, then you will see the celestial Ganga, and you won't see the things that are in it today, and um, and then you can you can drink it, and you'll be drinking the celestial Ganga, just like someone was telling me. Uh, she was reading On the Way to Vaikuntha, the book of Bon Maharaj's pilgrimages and penances, self-imposed uh, penances for his um, guru Aparad, to Bhakti Siddhanta. And we went to the Himalayas and he saw the heavenly regions and, and so forth. So, 
That's the story. So, um, with the point is that there is a vehicle for going beyond the limits of logic and reason that we're accustomed to uh, fitting everything within before we go forward with it, before it makes sense. Hmm? That vehicle, intelligence, is not a suitable vehicle for going to the Paraviyom. If we try to go there with intelligence to a realm that is far superior to it, would speak of that realm, even the Atma, even yourself, is superior to it. So in the court of the intellect, if we are to have a... Um, uh, seek a determination as to whether the soul exists in the court of the intellect or if God exists, they're not going to show up even. It's beneath them. Do you understand? Hmm? The very beginning idea of spiritual life is that, there, that fortunately there's something that transcends the limits of intellect because by it, through it, we cannot ever come to comprehensive knowledge. Hmm? And of course, if we reduce... Um, intellect and mind to a physical brain, which is a popular idea, hmm, then for sure that intellect has no power to give have any bearing on what truth is, any more than the action has any meaning or purpose. It's just atoms bouncing off of one another. So reasoning, if it's a physical process only, then it's just atoms bouncing around. There's no reason, if you will, that it should have any power to give to reveal truth. Hmm? So it's that materialistic idea is, is, as much as you reason in support of it, it's self-defeating in that regard. So as I say, it's a blessing, fortune, uh, and wise to reason that reason has its limits, and 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 there's something beyond that. And to go there, of course then we need a perfect uh, method for going. Faith is the method, and faith is transmitted through those who have it. Shodavam janohe, shodavam janohe. So faithful persons, they have, they transmit that, and they generate that. Um, there's different kinds of faith. Krishna speaks of them in the Gita. He speaks of them in the Bhagavatam. He says, uh, faith in the Rajaguna, Tahamaguna, Rajaguna, Sattvaguna, faith in the Atma, is sattvic faith in me. It's transcendental. Hmm? So faith, and expressed as it is externally as Sharanagati, is the vehicle for going there, hmm? for going to the other side, hmm? um, for having that uh, uh, experience. What was the point? So, um, We're talking about Agasura. Yes, so Agasura, right. So the point is that if it, when this, by good association we grow this faith, we can have experiences beyond that which the intellect will afford us. Hmm? And we can see then, and we can experience, for example, the celestial Ganges. Hmm? This is the theory, right? That it exists beyond the limits of, of reason. Hmm? power reason. We should hope that there's something beyond that. Because if not, reason doesn't even, as I say, doesn't even have any value. Right? So, we construct an altar and we use our reason to worship 
This is where reason really becomes beautiful, when it becomes an attendant to divine faith. And Rupa Goswami refers to it as Shastra Yukti, reasoning about the implications of revelation. So Rupa Goswami, anyway, he says, don't judge the sadhu, the Vaishnav, by external bodily characteristics, but try to see the faith that drives him or her to do the things that they do, living as they do for Krishna, with body, mind, words, traveling the world, as may be the case, and so forth. Um, and try then to get access there, in, within the, what is the heart of the sadhu. Hmm? So this Aga, in his previous life, he hadn't read Upadesha Amrita, so he wasn't aware of that. <laughs> and he criticized the, the sage for his deformed body. So the sage said, well, fine then, I curse you. That you, I have a body, and I have to tweak and turn every now and then to make movements. I curse you, I curse you that you will get one that you have to move all the time. And to move at all, you have to twist. You have to do the twist. It's the body of a snake. He cursed him to take a body of a snake, corresponding with his his uh, critique, hmm? um, which was arising about his about his inflated sense of self, derived from his um, handsomeness, hmm? the form of his own body, and so forth. And oh, of course, then he became repentant upon hearing this curse and fearing that it would it would be true. Hmm? And as a real sadhu, then Astrabarku became compassionate, said, I can't change the curse, but I'll add to that. Hmm? That you will become a serpent and Krishna will appear and liberate you. Hmm? So, Agasura, there he was. Hmm? He opened his mouth and Krishna went in, right? And, and inside, Krishna began to swell up, I guess, and he, and he burst out of the Brahmarandram, right? That it, what is it called? Uh, Anjana Chakra? Sahasra. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brahmarandram came out. His Atma came out. Now, you can't see the Atma, right? Can't be seen with ordinary eyes. But it came out at the top of his head, which is where it, right? So he's some kind of uh, yogi, right? Um, that's their objective. If you come out of the head rather than out of the mouth, which is ordinary people, then it's thought you you have some success. So what happened is really not a yogi, but the Yogeshwar, Krishna entered in him, who's full of all yogic power and ability and made his soul exit in a way that was appropriate for attaining liberation. But it hovered, and it could be seen. It could be seen by the devas. It had some some shape to it, a light. So the idea is that this was, this, this Rup Shakti was making it shine, and thus the devas could see it. They mentioned that they could see it. Brahma was one of the devas, right, the principal deva. Devas could see it, and Krishna was hovering there, and then Krishna came out of the mouth of the serpent, and when he came out, 
Vyatma went inside of him. It looked as if he got Paramatma Sayuja or Brahma Sayuja. But um, the text goes on to say later, I believe in the in the in the, in the, in the, in the next chapter that he actually attained a form of Sarupya Mukti, got a form like Narayan's in Vaikuntha. It's very rare to attain Sarupya Mukti, even to speak of Sarupya. And so Brahma, you know, he, he, he saw this. The Devas also saw this, but the, the fact that the Devas saw it, the, the idea behind this and bringing this up in the Bhagavatam, as Sukadev does, is that, that if the Devas should appear in the world, Whoa, that's extraordinary, right? There's the gods. I've heard about them. I never know if they were really there, but there they are in the heavens, right? They could be seen on earth in the context of the Leela, but it was on earth. And it was no big deal because a much, much bigger deal was going on that was causing them to come to the fore. So their presence was insignificant in the affair, is the point. And so, and Brahma's smart, so he's taking note of this. And what's extraordinary about it is that a guy who, by his nature, was offensive and sinful. His name means sin, Agasura, like sin personified. He he uh, didn't have any, as I say, eligibility even to go to heaven. Hmm? He got mukti, and he got sarupya mukti. And the demigods are thinking, we, we're high, we're pure people. We don't even get to do, get any kind of liberation from from what we're doing. And he did this. And so, putting it all together, what is the implication? This Krishna, in this form, in particular, is very extraordinary because in the form of other avatars, Krishna has dealt with demons in different ways, but nothing like this ever happened. This is an event in the universe that was unprecedented. Hmm? You see? And it speaks to, as this whole Leela does over and over again from many different angles, this point of philosophy that is central to the whole uh, text of the Bhagavatam. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. In Krishna Sandarva, Jiva Goswami makes the point that that no other avatar, as we hear descriptions of them in the Puranas, dealing with demons as they do, killing them, slaying them, whatever. It results that 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 dealing with the demons does not result in their getting liberation Hmm. of any kind. But when Krishna deals with them, then they get liberation and they get extraordinary liberation. Look at the case of Putana. Look at the case of Sisupal. So again and again and again. So this is one of the excellences of the Krishna deity that differentiates him from all others and speaks of his power of uh, to bestow grace hmm? in great uh, broadly widely to anyone to Agasura and in great uh, measure hmm? to give him Sarupya Sarupya Mukti so there you know Brahma is like he's figuring this out and, and he's he's like very startled by this, the the power of Krishna. The, the power of Krishna is what gets his attention, because he's powerful, Brahma. Hmm? I mean, amongst all the devas, he's very powerful, right? Hmm? 
he's a, the leader of the universe, you know, Shiva's like given up on it. You know, he's meditating, right? Uh, so uh, Brahma's involved with it, and he's got creative powers that are extraordinary and so forth. Um, and of course, they're derived from from Bhagwan, their reflective powers, but still, he doesn't know the power of his guru. He doesn't understand it. He's seeing Krishna in this form, and it's a little different than he's ever seen him before. And he's kind of he's just bewildered by the whole thing. So, what he wants to do is test his power. What other kind of powers does he have? This is his his thinking. This is what the point that he's making here, and he says, Anaryam. By invoking the word anaryam to describe himself, anarya means a well-bred person, right? So there's something to breeding, <laughs> and there's something to nourishing also. So there's a nature that we may be born with that may have something to do with um, the breeding and then the environment that we are affected by as well. So this is the harmonizing of these two points, you understand? Yeah. The conservatives are a little more for the breeding side, and then the and the liberals are more for the environment. You know, anybody can be anything at any time. It's just just give them the opportunity, just pay them. You know, <laughs> just just see them, and they'll be. Uh, so uh, there's some you know truth to both sides. At any rate, um, he uh, <laughs> this uh, he he refers to himself as Anarya. This is Brahma. He's the principal Aryan. Aryan means, you know, civilized, educated, cultured, uh, spiritually uh, wise uh, person. The head, the four heads of the universe, he is. So he is the is the really the perfection of an Arya, an Aryan, and he calls himself an Aryan. Krishna, Krishna refers to Arjuna like this too. Anarya Dushtamashvaryam. Look, you're a fool, he says. You know. Pandita Samana, you see, what does he say? Uh, you're speaking learned words, but you're 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 a fool. You're not, you're supposed to be an Aryan, but you're acting like a non-Aryan, hmm? with your weak-heartedness and your foolishness. So Brahma, it says two things about himself. He says, "I'm a non-Aryan. I'm a fool," and you, he says, he refers to him as. Um, hmm, hmm, he says, Eva Archir Agno. So he says, I am like the spark and you are like the fire. This is a good analogy, right? That the jivas are like the spark, Krishna is like the fire. Hmm? Smoke is like a maya. Hmm? Another shakti. The spark is one shakti, the smoke is another shakti. The smoke can obscure the fire from the spark. And then there, the fire has another shakti, which is so much like the fire. Smoke is very different from the fire. It's, it's opaque, right? And fire is what's the opposite of opaque? Transparent. Translucent. Yeah. So there are opposites, but smoke is an energy of the fire, nonetheless. The spark is is what did I say? Translucent. And transparent, illuminating, hmm? illuminating, but it's very small, so it can be separated from the fire of the smoke. But so these are two shaktis of the fire of Bhagawan. Hmm? 
Maya Shakti, Jeev Shakti. Then there's a third one. It's so much like the fire that it's hard to see any difference between it. That's called the Sarup Shakti. It's compared to the heat and the light of the fire. So there's a fire, and there's heat and light. You kind of like can't have a fire without heat and light. You could kind of conceive of a fire without smoke and sparks coming out. But, but of course, those are there. there. There are elements there as well. But the heat and light is... So the Sarup Shakti is more like Bhagawan than different. It's, it's described as... We've already heard it. The love of the devotees, which is the Sarup Shakti, is, is his very form. It causes his form to manifest. So oneness between Sarup Shakti and, and, and Bhagawan is important emphasis and some difference and oneness at the same time. There and larger difference than oneness between smoke and fire. And the jiva, well, it could be like the smoke and dark in the darkness, or it could be like the fire illuminated if it takes shelter of the heat and the light and and by that dispels the smoke. So anyway, he compares himself to a spark and Krishna to the fire. You are great. I'm a spark of you. So they saying, I'm, I have a connection with you. I come from you. I'm yours. Hmm? Right? I'm one of your instruments and I've acted foolishly. I admit that. Anaryam, I've done a foolish thing. Um, but he's kind of saying, I express some remorse from that, but I'm not really offensive. I didn't really want to make it offensive. I just wanted to check out your powers. And the powers that you were showing were extraordinary as it was. And I thought, what other powers is he? So I used all my power over your coward boys, and I disturbed your lunch. And I feel very bad about that. I feel very remorseful about that. And I accept that I should be, I should be disciplined, hmm? but as an expression of a father's love. So this is where he's going with it. You know, he's, he's, it's, it's not a half. It's not really a half apology. There's truth in what he's, what he's saying. I was analyzing it, and he, and he's, and he's very heartfelt um, in his expressions of his, of his prem, his love, his for for Bhagawan, and that's, that's causing him to feel bad about be embarrassed for what he did. I want to be like those coward boys and I did this to them and they're you know, they're the models that I'm supposed to be following. Like I really like stepping on my um shooting myself in the foot here on the path of bhakti, but I'm on the path. Hmm. So this is his his beginning of his appeal by which he uh, tries to acknowledge what he's done wrong and uh, put himself in Krishna's hands to be um for for the remedy to be rectified, if you will. Any question? Yeah. Well, I was just really appreciating you know, that these demons, how they come in, they they really play such a significant role in the leela, so they're really mm. doing great service, and so Krishna's grateful for the, the role they play. But because I was thinking about how Krishna, she she acted like a mother, so she got that sorry bhakti. And here, you know, August acting, you know, Sakuras and the boys, and he's getting a lot of association <laughs> of all the boys going inside of him, and, and yet he's just, he's not even getting. Yeah, it's a good point, him. actually. You bring up all the Sarup Shakti in the form of the boys went in first. 
Bhakti entered into him first, and then Krishna had to go there. Wherever Bhakti goes, Krishna has to go. So he had to enter in. I'll add that to my calendar. On the force <laughs> of Bhakti, he went there, and there it's over. Yeah, he's purified now. So, so that you know, so that he didn't. You would think, well, maybe he should get Sakuras. That's his ideal. But you know, he's who Brahma? No, Aga. But he's getting liberation. He's just going to the Vaikuntha and getting, you know, to the um, like the form of Krishna. I mean, of right. So what's that? You know, compared to I mean, compared to what Putana got, and and he. You know, he was he he was in the lila, and he was he was he he was getting that. That was his um, association. He should have been influenced by that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had some bhakti samskar for from the past, for, yeah. from the past, from the previous life. <laughs> and Krishna is only catering to that, right? Maybe he didn't think the lunkheads were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except in the material world, yeah. <laughs> so he gets sent. To this. That's why, you, yeah. You're meant for Vaikuntha. That's what you think, and it's okay over there. <laughs> Can't see it from there, so. Well, yeah. If you're talking to a Ramanuja, they don't. They say, "Well, that's one of your books." Kind of, yeah. And that was where their argument was coming from. And I said to him nicely, I said, well, you know, you don't need to fit Gaudi Vaishnavism within Sri Vaishnavism for it to be validated. Uh, and it doesn't fit, but we can fit Sri Vaishnavism within Gaudi Vaishnavism. So Krishna doesn't fit inside of Narayan, but Narayan fits inside of Krishna. <laughs> yes? Yeah. Trying to destroy Vrindavan or Brahma, taking the cows. Are they? Did they see the Sakya? Did they feel any of the bob that the colored boys are experiencing with Krishna, or are they just completely bewildered that Krishna's prowess? No, they they they're they're seeing from their vantage point. They're not seeing from from the vantage point of those in the leela. Hmm? Therefore, you know they're they're, they're showering God flowers and praising him as God and the boys are are thinking, Hey, check it out, it's raining flowers. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so uh, now that said, in Goloka there are also Indras and they are they are they are they are as I was saying, they are, they're a form of it's called Adikritya Dasya, so it's a form of Dasya Rasa. Because the nature of Goloka is that it's aprakrita, so it's not adhoksaja. By that I mean it's not overtly transcendental in appearance because it's that realm where Bhagavan affords intimacy <coughs> with the with the jivas. And so for that intimacy to be there, the Aishvarya has to be pushed in the background. So we have aprakrita, which means that like ordinary, it looks ordinary, but it's not type of a realm. And so in order for it to be ordinary, hmm, then uh, there have to be devas also, hmm, gods. And 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 I was, there, there was this, see there's this verse in the Bhagavatam, 
where Goloka is mentioned, and, and Prabhupada says it's a material Goloka that Surabi is coming from with Indra. Hmm? This is so. This fellow was commenting that uh, so there's no reference in the Bhagavatam to a spiritual Goloka. Just see. Hmm? So so I said I said well the Bhagavatam says Goloka. The commentary says it's material. Hmm? So the Bhagavatam, you say that there's no mention of a Goloka. Uh, and then there's other references in Mahabharata and Bhagavatam's Purana to Goloka and other scriptures and so forth. So that there's no reference in any other scripture to a material Goloka. So you have to cross-reference it with the other references. So the text itself speaks about a Goloka. And Sanatana Goswami in his commentary says it's a spiritual Goloka. It's the Goloka. Hmm? Hmm? He said it's about Vakunta. Yeah. And Prabhupada says the Goloka is a material plant. And Jiva Goswami says the same thing. Hmm? So he says, so, so I said, if you accept the commentary, because you're citing it as evidence that there's no Goloka, spiritual Goloka, in, mentioned in the Bhagavatam, hmm? then, you, then if you're accepting the commentary as authoritative, you have to accept the implications of the commentary, which is, if Jiva Goswami or Sanatana Goswami says this is a material Goloka, the implication is there's a spiritual Goloka. So if you accept the commentary, you have to accept that there's a spiritual Goloka. If you don't accept the commentary, you have no case to make that there's no there's no Goloka in a you know in, in the spiritual world. A logic. Uh huh. And then, well, then he said, it was interesting, and then he said, he said, well, which commentary do you accept? Sanatana Goswami says it's spiritual, or Prabhupada and Jiva Goswami say it's a material Goloka. And I said, well, it depends how you read the verse. Because the verse says that, that, that Surabi came from Goloka and uh, along with Indra. So the verse itself is ambiguous as to whether Surabi came with Indra or Surabi came and Indra came. So if Surabi came, then the reading is she came from Goloka. And if Surabi came with with Indra from the same pl- place, then they're coming from a, a material realm because Indra lives in the material realm. Hmm. Hmm. So the verse itself is ambiguous, so both commentaries are correct. Hmm. <laughs> And then he said, so there's two Sarabis, a spiritual one and a material one? I said, yeah, well, for that matter, there's two Indras. And he said, this is getting too much, two Indras. <laughs> I said, yeah, well, that has to be because it's, an, it's in a Prakrita realm, as I'm explaining to you. So there has to be gods and goddesses in Goloka. The gopis are praying to cut. Yeah, well, of course, it's Goloka, but they've already transcended. But still, I said that, you know, they worship the gods. He said, well, is Narayan in Goloka? I said, yeah, he's inside the Krishna, for God's sake. <laughs> he showed Brahma, he showed it to Brahma. <laughs> and he's on everybody's altar. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so, such is the nature of our, the realm of our pursuit. Goloka Vrindavan Dham Ki Jai. Sri Gopal Krishna Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi.